Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're gambling big on a direct this week. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the Nintendo Financial Call Q&A session. And then on Thursday... Mark, let's talk about Thursday. All right. Okay. So, we suspect... Rumors indicate... Yeah, rumors abound. Mm -hmm, ...that there's going to be a Nintendo Direct this week. Mm -hmm. Sometime this week. Yeah, specifically the 13th. We're looking at you tomorrow. We, yeah, we're looking at you tomorrow now, as from the confines of yesterday. Exactly. As we're recording this, we have no idea. Maybe, perchance, by the time this is released, or by the time you're listening to it, a Direct has been announced. Or maybe not, but yeah. we're banking on it happening. We are so we are banking on it so hard that I would say we have no other plans for this week. Now, Mark, should this be an indicator of uh, whether or not there will be a direct this week? If we just uh, stop our, our sureness of it. Oh uh, no! <laughs> I mean, also, look, if we don't plan a Thursday episode other than Nintendo having a direct, yes, and it happens. Does that mean that we should not plan Thursday episodes because then Nintendo will scramble oh, to I, put I see, a direct I, out I see what so that way saying. we have content? Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, uh, everyone at Nintendo listens to this podcast. They listen first thing when it posts on Tuesday morning at midnight. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we just have to let them know that if there's no direct, no show. But I do think you should rest assured, listener, yeah. that if there is no direct this week, which I think we would all be a little sad about, I think we're all ready for a direct. There will still be an episode on Thursday. Yeah, we will do something for you. Also, if it turns out that a direct is announced on Tuesday for Thursday, we will hold the second episode until Friday. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so, so as we can uh, talk, talk about the direct. Absolutely. I hate to get so in the weeds here, but I also love it. <laughs> I just want everyone to feel as though we are, uh, we're, 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 look, we want to make the best show. And we want you to feel taken care of. That's right. Like, no matter what happens, there's going to be a show on Thursday. Right. And maybe that show is just telling you about all of your favorite things. <laughs> and maybe it'll be a Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Um, here are some other things you can do in the meantime. You should email us with your mailing address so you can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. You really, really, I cannot stress this enough should participate in this program. Would you say that our listeners owe it to themselves to do this? I think so. I think every day that somebody's not in the queue to borrow your copy of Sonic Forces is um, a day they may learn to regret. Uh, yeah, and look, we all amass a lot of regrets as we go throughout our, our lives, throughout our days, people that we should have been nicer to, projects we should have worked harder on. Um, don't let this be one of don't your let regrets. This, be one. this is an easy one. Just email us one. at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Get my copy of Sonic Forces. I send it to you. Send it back. It's Check great. it off your bucket list. Mm -hmm. Never have to think about it ever again. <laughs> Something you can do before you die. <laughs> this is a good, that's a selling point for Sonic Forces. <laughs> it's true. Compared to some of the reviews, for sure. 
here's another thing you can do. You can review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, a five-star review would be great. Those are the kinds that we love the most. But of course, we love all reviews. Um, you could review us just like Liquid Distortion did. Thank you, Liquid Distortion. Um, and then here's another thing. You can start playing some games so that you can uh, follow along with us during uh, the month of March. We're doing a retro month. That's right. Every Thursday in March, we're going to be talking about one retro sequel. And these sequels, a little bit weird. These are a little bit off the beaten path. The Legend of Zelda <laughs> 2, The Adventures of Link. We're doing that on March 7th. Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins on March 14th. Zoda's Revenge, Star Tropics 2 on March 21st. And Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, March 28th. Now, most of these you can play pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Zoda's Revenge, Star Tropics 2. Going to be a little bit of a struggle. It's available almost nowhere. It was available on the Wii eShop, but uh, we all know the Wii eShop uh, barely exists anymore. Um, so, you know, f- f- follow along if you can't. Uh, we-, we do a good job of explaining what the actual gameplay experience is like before launching into whether we did or did not enjoy it. But if you have ever played these games, yes. or if you're playing along with us for the first time, definitely send us your thoughts. We would love to hear what you're thinking of these games. Yeah, so just email us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Okay, I did it. Majora's Mask 3D is a Nintendo Select, only 20 bucks, and I picked it up last week. Hey, perfect. How are you finding that experience? It's great. I, uh, We both played Ocarina of Time 3D. Mm-hmm. And it is much improved over the original Nintendo 64 release of Ocarina of Time. It's the definitive way to play that game. Mm -hmm. But Majora's Mask 3D is such a huge improvement over the original game. Like, even more so than Ocarina of Time 3D is over Ocarina of Time. Um, It's great. It's really, really good. It it makes the game, uh, in my mind, like playable i i was always intimidated by uh majora's mask on uh nintendo 64 um because its systems are so obtuse because like you have to keep track of everything and uh all this stuff but like the 3d remake gives you all the tools to tackle the game's various puzzles um you know with confidence uh like i almost legit don't know how people played this game on nintendo 64 yeah it's a lot of just like little a lot of times it's small things yeah. that like add up to big changes. Like they move the bank. They uh, give you the uh, song of flight or whatever it's called. So you can go from owl statue to owl statue sooner. Just yeah. like things like that. But then they also do things like we're just going to give you the bomber's notebook. Yeah. So you can just keep track of this stuff uh, all, all the time. Because mm-hmm. so much of the game is just like learning people's routines. And in the old version of the game, you had to like legit learn them. Or, like, write them down or something. Yeah, and, like, the Bomber's Notebook existed, but you had to know to go back and get it. Yeah. Um, in this case, it's, like, once you join the Bombers, uh, the next time they just, like, give it to you. Right. Just, like, things like that really add up and make the game less frustrating, more approachable, and just really, really fun. I'm really enjoying my time with it. I haven't even... Um, I'm at the first temple. Uh, like, I just went to the Deku Palace yeah. and did mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I spent most of the time, maybe like 
five or six hours that I've played just doing things in that first day cycle in the town. Yeah. Uh, just running around and trying to do as much of that as possible. Um, well, great. I'm glad you are enjoying it, and I'm sure we will check in on it uh, more as we go. Um, uh, this weekend, I played a little bit of Katamari Damacy, uh, re-rolled, um, which is a... You've talked about it. Um, which is a fine game. I don't believe it is for me. Um, I think the the aesthetic, both like graphics and uh, sound of it, are amazing. The music's so cool and so like quirky. Um, the fact that it features so much just like Japanese singing is like amazing. I love it. Um, but like I don't know that I found the controls to be a little bit frustrating. So I just uh, you know I played for like an hour and then uh, put it down. Um, I continue to play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Have sort of rediscovered World of Light. Um, which, uh, I mean, I, I love the way it just keeps funneling you around this map. The map is enormous. Like, yeah, I just keep finding new areas and unlocking new sections of this map and getting into, like, new little dungeon areas um, and having, like, fun fights that, you know, I mean, at the heart of it, the game is Smash Brothers, uh, which is super fun. So I, I'm continuing to have a lot of fun with that. Um... I've also been playing a little bit more Wargroove, uh, though, again, not as much as I would like. It turns out Wargroove is kind of tough. Uh, it, uh, the difficulty ramps up real fast, and it is possible that I'm just not, like, I don't have these systems, like, kind of internalized yet. Like, every, every unit has weaknesses to other types of units, and, um, you know, all units have uh, a different, like, condition under which their critical attacks happen. So, like, if you, uh, like, the, the pikemen, um, when they are standing next to each other, they have, they have a critical hit. If a, uh, like, regular soldier is standing next to its commander, they'll have a critical hit. If you, if you have a knight and they have their, they do their entire movement in one turn, then they get a critical hit on and on and on and on and it's just every unit is so specific and like knowing how everything in that world works um is going to take me a little bit yeah that does not sound fun to me the thing is it is fun and it's so charming and i mean there's one of the characters is a dog in a suit of armor okay like, that that sounds I mean, really fun what do you I like that what do you I want like that a lot <laughs> uh we've also both been playing mm -hmm. zoda's revenge star tropics 2 uh in preparation for retro month Boy, is that a weird game! But uh, but we will we will expound on that uh, further in a couple weeks, right? Yes, absolutely. All right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So before we talk about this week's new releases, just a bit of housekeeping from last week. Mm -hmm. um, Yokai Watch Three was released for the 3DS last week, and Patrick, you had a question. Which is, didn't they used to do, like, uh, Pokemon games where there's two versions of the game? Right. And I wasn't sure like what the deal was with, specters like... specters and bone ghosts or whatever the Yeah, uh-huh. The well-known uh, Yokai Watch 1, fleshy yes. specters and bone ghosts versions. Uh, so, Yokai Watch 3 is one version in the West. In Japan, it was originally released in two versions, Sushi and Tempura, and then... Later that year, they had a third version, kind of like Pokemon Yellow, sure. uh, Sukiyaki, which was a combination of the two games, and Yokai Watch 3 in the West is based on that third Sukiyaki version. 
interesting. I wonder why they like back down from it just to like try to make it less confusing. I also wonder if it's like the series never really took yeah, off never in the West, so here. like why not bring the best version of it over, or at least the simplest version, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it basically means that they are more or less giving up on it in the West. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, Yokai Watch 4 for Switch is supposed to come out this year, I think, in Japan. It'll be interesting to see with uh, kind of the brand Halo around games released on Switch if uh, Yokai Watch can benefit benefit from that in the west i mean i would guess not just because uh yokai watch is also such a like child focused game and the switch is not really a children's console right now right now i mean we talked last week i think about um a potential more portable version coming sometime this year that's right maybe timed around pokemon so maybe yokai watch could ride that wave a little bit Good luck, Yokai Watch. So on to new releases. Uh, tomorrow, February 13th, we're getting two new games in the Nintendo Switch Online, um, NES Online, Super Mario Bros. 2, finally, mm-hmm. and Kirby's Adventure coming to Switch, and then probably one or two SP editions that we don't know about yet. Oh, yeah. I, always, I, I keep forgetting about those. And then on February 15th, the King K. Rule, Ice Climbers, and Piranha Plant amiibos from the Super Smash Brothers series are being released. Um, uh, it is also maybe worth pointing out that um, on the 14th, uh, Ali Ali Switch Stance comes out on the on the Switch. So Ali Ali is a a, a skateboard game um, that my buddy Pete speaks very highly of. Oh, cool! So I don't know if um. If this is the first Ali Ali being ported over to Switch, or if it is the sequel, or if Switch Stance means it's an entirely new Ali Ali game, I'm ill-informed. But uh, Pete, just so you know, I saw it on the list, and I want you to know about it too. <laughs> it's a Valentine's Day gift. Here's a new Ali Ali game. What uh, more could anybody want? What more could anybody want? Uh, those amiibo look nice. Um, the, out on the 15th, King K. Rule, Ice Climbers, and Piranha Plant, right? Yep. Um, which of those, uh, is your favorite there, Mark? Uh, Piranha Plant, for sure. Although maybe Ice Climbers, I don't have any real affinity for them as characters, but I like the idea of owning Ice Climber Amiibo. Yeah, I mean, that's about as esoteric as it can get, right? Owning Ice Climber Amiibo? I mean, because then you're literally just buying them to buy them, because what... What, what love could one right. have what for monster ice climbers? Love. Of course, uh, neither of mentioned neither of us have mentioned King K. Rule, a character that I like well enough, especially in Smash, but I don't really feel the need to have in my house. Yeah, well, and I think his fans can eat dirt. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's close out the new releases. Tough but fair. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today I've just got a simple question to prompt us. Um, it is... What's your favorite robot? Now, remember, this is 433, so your favorite robot, for the purposes of this conversation, cannot be Rob the Robot. Ooh, all right. I'm going to have to really go back into the Rolodex then. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Let me ask you this. Can the robot be Mega Man or Mega Man related? Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you think that's fair? This is Nintendo adjacent, but not not, Nintendo first party. Not like just Nintendo. Okay, all right, all right. You can be talking about a version on PlayStation. Uh, I like BB-8. 
I like BBA too. So of course my mind immediately went to Star Wars. Right. And uh I likes I this may be a little bit controversial, but oh. I likes I do like C3PO. Yes. But I like um Star Wars like original Star Wars C3PO. Okay. And I feel like like any character, particularly a sitcom character, yeah. where after wa- after a while they're like, "Well, what do we do with you?" They just keep becoming more and more cartoony where now he's like a one-man version of the Keystone Cops. Yeah, sure. But originally, like in A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, mostly, he's competent. Like he's good at his job. He's snarky. Yep. And occasionally like wanders into the wrong area, but not because he's a bumbler. Right. Well, and I feel like the the comics actually do a pretty good job of making him uh competent as well. That like, you know, he actually is translating or um there there was an arc in the comics where they're uh trying to I'm going to forget like the the details of it but they're trying to trick some like imperial general into doing something for them and uh 3PO like basically improvises uh something that like distracts the guy like he does his job well um he is good at communications um so yeah I can I can back that up I I like C3PO like I think he's funny in a new hope I think some of his lines are really funny I totally agree with you that BB-8 is I like R2-D2, but BB-8 is the improved R2-D2. Absolutely. Um, BB-8 is cuter than R2-D2. He's more useful than R2-D2. And he's more expressive than R2-D2. Yeah. Just give me BB-8. Like, I remember... Do you remember when Star Wars Episode Two came out, Attack of the Clones? Yes. And there's a sequence where they're, like, walking around Naboo or whatever. And there's a set of stairs that they are... Like, uh, Anakin and Padme are walking down, uh-huh. and they in the background you see how R two D two goes down a set of steps, right? And, and that just... was the lingering fan question up to that point: was how does R two D two go down go, steps? Go down steps. Uh, and uh, the answer is just like he kind of like pushes himself forward. The like front foot kind of like comes out a little bit further. Yeah, he like they... uses it to like step down, like somebody with crutches, right? Would do basically. Never mind the rockets. <laughs> Which he has built into his legs. <laughs> uh, I also really like. Uh, I don't. I think they have names like they're like Gronk droids or something like that. Where the, just the like, ones look like trash cans. With yeah, feet. trash cans with feet. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think Star Wars does a very good job with its robots. Give me a Star Wars robot droid. I know, <laughs> but give me one of those every day of the week. Yeah, like the evil toasters that are riding around in the Death Star. Yeah, love them. Like uh, you mean like the 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 little ones that are like mouses, the ones yeah. that like squeal when they see Chewbacca. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think they're great. Robot rats, basically. Did I say mouses? <laughs> Why did you let that go? I also like in uh um, what was the most recent one? The Last Jedi. Uh-huh. When they're it's like a close up of what looks like a uh spaceship landing, and then the camera pulls back to reveal that it's like a droid with an iron. Oh yes. Like, uh, pressing <laughs> Imperial uniforms, or I guess not Imperial. Uh, what do they call them? First Order uniforms. Loved it. Loved that. Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. Give me a, any any Star Wars droid. I'll, I'll I will accept all comers, even a dumb battle droid. Actually, no, I take it back. I don't like the battle droids. <laughs> I think they're dumb. Roger, 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 Roger. Uh, okay, not Star Wars related. What other robots? <laughs> oh well, I guess we'll never know. Perhaps a topic for another time. <laughs> Uh, we were accompanied today by pianist Elliot Schwartz. 
Thank you, Elliot. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Last week, we talked about Nintendo's financial results being released for the previous nine months, and that was followed by a Q&A session with investors that we gleaned some more information about Nintendo and their inner workings as a company, including, uh, despite releasing three large titles in uh, the fourth quarter of 2018, Nintendo is no longer projecting to hit their sales targets for Switch for the fiscal year. So originally they had projected 20 million units of Switch mm-hmm. shipped in the fiscal year. They've downgraded that to 17 million. Um, and that's, that's the fiscal year ending uh, Mar- At April. the end of March yeah. 2019. So um, President Shintaro Furukawa says, quote, as we look back so far for this fiscal year, um, we now evaluate that our efforts to fully convey the appeal of Nintendo Switch hardware and software to the number of new consumers we originally hoped to reach were insufficient. Uh, not able to fully convey? So I think one of the things that uh, we didn't break out as a line item here, but that he talked about elsewhere, is that Labo has not met their expectations. Sure. Um, it continues to sell... And I think the uh, um, the variety kit has sold over a million units. But as a whole, I think that's one area that they're talking about. So, yeah, yeah as as underperforming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I guess Labo definitely is something that is hard to demonstrate and hard to uh, like communicate to someone. But I've also not really like the only Labo ads I saw were ads that I sought out. You know, like if if I was a parent who just like casually had a switch, uh, I don't think I ever would have found out. Yeah, but I wonder if that's like toy commercials in general, where we don't watch the media in w- in which toy commercials are pushed to kids. So maybe now, Labo- what are you saying? Are you <laughs> saying that I'm not watching cartoons? <laughs> I'm saying you're not watching cartoons on like Nickelodeon no, or right. the Disney Channel or something. I have been watching a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but you're right. <laughs> And and look, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much they spent on Labo. I think that's just one example mm. of where maybe their efforts to convey uh, the appeal of the Switch to markets outside of what we would consider core gamers wasn't as successful. And I mean, we saw some of that reflected in what we talked about last week, which is that Nintendo is no longer, uh, you know, tr- trying to expand the blue ocean and they're no longer trying to invent ways to appeal to gamers. Right. They are just They know that audience is there and they want to make games for the people who are already playing. Yeah, exactly. On development and unannounced software, senior managing executive off- officer Shinya Takahashi said, quote, compared to the NES era, there are a lot more developers, larger development teams. We conduct development in a variety of locations as the number of development centers also increased. Even so, development is being managed more systematically than before. So although it's true that the volume of software is increasing, there are more people involved in developing it. There are more development processes in place to bring it all together, and development scale has expanded. I believe, regarding plans uh, how to develop software, we are working better than before, partly because development departments have been integrated. I have heard some people say we have a tendency towards slow development, but that's certainly not true in every case. We have titles currently in development that we haven't announced yet, some of which we're preparing to release this year and i don't anticipate the kind of delays that would be concerned about um so that's kind of a nice uh just sort of uh, assertion that like they've 
have varied development, right? That there there are go- always going to be those Breath of the Wild type games that are huge and long and get delayed and we ask about forever and then they come out and we love them and then there's also going to be smaller stuff um, and stuff that happens faster and that they've got a bunch of different teams working on a bunch of different timelines to get these things out. Yeah, when you think that uh, for all the great work that has been done in bringing third parties and indie titles to Switch, yeah, back to Nintendo platforms, the majority of the software sold and the majority of the reason that people buy a Switch is for Nintendo first-party games. Yeah, absolutely. So as big as Nintendo is and for the like hundreds of developers that they have working for them, they're very small compared to like the video game world at large. Yeah. Well, and compared to the other first parties, like this is something that we talked about the uh, a couple weeks ago that, um, you know, one of the reasons that Nintendo is always going to be lagging behind in like online infrastructure is that the other two uh, first parties, Microsoft and Sony, are technology companies that also do video games. And Nintendo is like a toy company. Um, so like they're just their scale is different than these other. Uh, and it just makes them a, a smaller like slice of the pie. So it has to be like pretty. I guess stressful for them because you're managing these two expectations where you pretty much are the lifeblood of the system. Yeah. You are also known for your quality. And so, you know, like where you find quantity between those two poles has to be pretty difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insanity that like in the first year of the Switch launch that we got Breath of the Wild and Splatoon 2 and uh, ARMS and Mario Odyssey um, Am I missing a big one? Those are four big games. And with like you can you know, you can argue about the quality of arms, but like it's a pretty well put together game. It's a fully featured game. It's maybe just not what people were interested in. Um, but like those are four big games in one year. And then like we got more big games this last year, too, and we'll get more big games this year. Um, Nintendo pretty reliably delivers a lot of big quality games. It's also just one of the reasons why Nintendo franchises sometimes go away for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like even if they're interested in making a new F0 or a new Star Tropics or whatever, like who's going to make it? Yeah, yeah. They only have so many developers at a time. Uh while sales of 3DS have contracted faster than Nintendo had anticipated, Furukawa men- maintains that the hardware remains viable because it is quote easy to carry around since it is small and light and at a very desirable price point small and light he's not wrong yeah seriously uh so i have a old nintendo 3ds xl it's like the year of luigi special edition it's very old and um playing majora's mask 3d on it what i i've complained a lot on the show about like the nintendo 3ds hardware especially the old nintendo 3ds hardware but once you're in a game, the experience is fine. Yeah, sure. You're uh, just talking about like the startup time. Yeah, and, yeah. exactly. So uh, I'm enjoying... I mean, we just did a show praising the 3DS just a few weeks ago. And so now going back to the 3DS, I really am appreciating like this is a solid system. I enjoy playing it. It's... Um, yeah, it's, it's good. Yes. Just, you know, it has faults, but... Anyway. Well, for sure. I just... I mean, the, the, the note about it being small and light... Um, still, you know, I, I was in uh, San Diego on, on Friday, took the train down and took it back the, the same night and I brought my switch with me and like that thing takes up a lot of space in my bag. Um, it, and like, I got to kind of baby it a little bit. 
if that were my 3ds man it would just be like in a side pocket in in my bag and yeah like, totally like i'm going on a longer trip um next month and i don't think i'm going to bring my switch yeah because but i will definitely bring my 3ds because it's easy for me to throw my 3ds in my bag and not have to worry about like keeping it charged really or yeah. you know like it getting scratched or lost Having or a like case for it yeah even yeah exactly uh, but they also mentioned that the goal in the future is to make the Switch a one-per-player system, like the 3DS or the Nintendo DS was, as it's currently a one-per-household system. Yeah. So they want it to be more like a handheld in that regard than a traditional home console. And, you know, talking about what we were kind of uh, speculating on the other week about, like, a, a sort of downgraded where, like, the Joy-Cons don't come off, a dedicated handheld version is certainly a step towards uh, getting to that. We'll see if that happens. But. Nintendo was asked about the increase in female gamers and responded by saying that there are many women currently working in development, particularly in design. Okay. Uh, Furukawa attributes a lot of Nintendo Switch Online's success to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm assuming by success he means sign-ups and super smash brothers not, right <laughs> not 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 performance of, yeah. of the of the online service yeah uh-huh. the the number of subscribers um i guess uh, assuming that a lot of people want to play smash online speaking uh to the partnership with line on dr mario world which was announced last week for a release later this summer uh furukawa said quote i believe everyone is familiar with line which is virtually synonymous with messaging application in japan we believe that the real-life social graph cultivated by Line, as well as the technology supporting it, will be a very strong platform for consumers to enjoy our game applications, which is why we have formed this collaboration. And Dr. Mario World is a puzzle game, so we hope many people will enjoy it, regardless of gender or age. So, question about this. Uh, so, obviously, Line uh, has like social media or like messaging applications in Japan. Does that mean that... Uh, like? these communication tools are going to be mostly like integrated with Japanese messaging systems or like, is this going to be as useful outside of Japan? Well, so line I think is extremely, extremely popular in Japan. The okay. line is like, it's available in the U S app store. Oh, okay. so like you can download it. But to your point, I'm very interested to see if the integration is really close in Japan, that makes a lot of sense if Line is extremely popular. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what the strategy is in the West, where Line is probably not as well known. Who should Nintendo team up with uh, here to, like, they should get in bed with Slack or something? <laughs> yeah, I would love that, a Slack-Nintendo <laughs> collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, like, forward slash Mario... <laughs> and then uh, you can just like start a game yeah. of uh, oh, Super that, Mario. Oh man, that'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> or like a uh, Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a reset era, which is a video game forum thread discussing the possibility of a Nintendo re- Nintendo Direct this week. Fingers crossed, guys. Uh, includes an interesting piece of insight from Game Informer editor Imran Khan, who we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh the news that retro was taking over metro prime 4 ah uh, yes um uh interesting piece of insight about the possibility of mother 3 being ported to the west it had been mother 3 is uh the third game in a series that it's like the sequel to earthbound yeah earthbound is the second in the mother series and the only one that like officially or that came to the west in its original incarnation i think right. mother origins came that's correct 
on the virtual console or something. Yeah, on the the Wii U um, virtual console. And fans for a long time have been asking about Mother 3. And this is what Mother 3 started its life as a Nintendo 64 game, was eventually scrapped, became a Game Boy Advance game. All of it only came out in Japan. Uh, He says, quote, Mother 3, as far as I know, is a dead end. It was full steam ahead for a while, but upon reevaluation, there were aspects of the game that weren't going to go without controversy. With go without controversy. Yeah, so some of the stuff I've seen online and just gameplay video of uh, Mother 3, like there's maybe some racial stereotyping and stuff like that. There's some of that in the first one too, right? Uh, yeah, I've never played Mother Origin, so I'm not sure. Oh, sorry, I meant the second one. <laughs> oh, uh, I meant Earthbound. Earthbound. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, um, I mean, let's just be honest. Maybe five or six years ago, it would be easier for Nintendo to release something with stuff like that. And yeah. it just, like, uh, it would slip by and nobody would really make any notice of it. But we're just a more conscious culture about yeah. that sort of thing. And so, without major changes, I can totally see why they wouldn't want to bring Mother 3 over anymore. I mean, it seems like the kind of stuff that can come out in localization anyway. Um, but, I don't know. I'm, I'm Not something I was going to hold my breath for anyway. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo, Nintendo has never officially confirmed they were working on a, a port of Mother 3. Maybe Reggie was hinting at it a few times. I think, like... Oh, Reggie hints at everything. He wore a shirt or, like, a pin or something. Yeah. Um... But it should also be noted that this is just a post on Reset Era and, you know, take it for what it's worth. Right. Uh, this is also in the realm of rumor and speculation. Mark, let's do it! <laughs> but it's coming from noted Nintendo insider Emily Rogers. She wrote a blog saying that she believes Nintendo currently has a slate of 12 unannounced games that she expects to be revealed in 2019. Uh, the, the games in her, her lineup are not all big AAA-style games. One is, uh, she thinks, a new Labo kit, and a few others are smaller eShop games, a la 2017's Flip Wars, which we talked about last week. I was kind of like, where's more Flip Wars? And apparently, 2019, they are coming. So she breaks it down uh, by, like, then she doesn't give names. No, she does not. She she kind of breaks it down into uh, a most likely category, which uh, she says it's a 70% chance or higher of uh, these happening this year. And she basically just has um, like the big like AAA uh, mystery games labeled one through four um, and then three. Uh, yes, three mystery eShop games. So the, again, those would be those kind of like um, uh, smaller games like Flip Wars, um, one Labo kit like we mentioned, and one mystery uh, Wii U port um, with, with the note. And I don't know how she can be uh, so specific in this um, prediction, but in parentheses, 2013 title. Well, I think sh- the implication is that she knows what all of these titles are. She's oh, but just she's not just sharing information. Back. And I think that the 2013 t- title is Pikmin 3, is what everybody is assuming. I see. Um, and then uh, under, under the category of maybe games, uh, these are like 50, 50, uh, uh, 50% chance or less that we'll see in 2019. Um, a Retro Studios game, um, uh, assuming that it wasn't um, canned in favor of uh, moving them all over to Metroid Prime um metroid prime trilogy uh assuming that uh again assuming other stuff and then another um wii u port 
Um, less than 50% chance. What, what's that one, Mark? I have no idea. Oh, not Super Mario 3D World? Hey, maybe it's the Wonderful 101. Maybe it's the Wonderful 101. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the new features that are being included in the 3DS port of Kirby's Epic Yarn, called Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn. The Japanese website for the game includes a chart listing all of the changes. So in the 3DS, uh, Kirby has... Actually, do you want to cover this? Patrick? Yeah, sure. Um, so there are uh, the the first entry in the chart is Kirby's abilities, um, and there are the Ravel abilities and all of the old transformations um, versus the Wii, which just had the transformation. 3DS also has um, uh, devilish mode, sub games, amiibo support, and um, street fat street pass functionality. Um, so you can share the the room that you make um, the, throughout the course of Epic Yarn. You uh, get pieces of furniture and use them to decorate your your house. Um, none of those are in the Wii version. Uh, the 3DS version also has 259 pieces of furniture versus the 168 in the Wii version. Um, so that's more furniture to collect. Um, I collected every piece of every gem and every piece of furniture in um, Epic Yarn, so it's good to know that there's almost twice as much. Um, here's the real bummer, though. Uh, there's only one only one player can play on the 3DS. Um, the Wii supported two player simultaneous, which made for a really nice chill time to just like sit on the couch and play with a friend. Uh, Sarah and I played through most of this game together. Um, it, there, it is a game that will like literally has no fail states, so like you can play with anyone, um, and have a good time just trying to find gems and like beat bad guys and transform into funny stuff. Um, and it looks like that is not going to be a feature of the 3DS. Did P- Poochie and Yoshi's Woolly World have co-op? Mark, I just don't know. <laughs> Sorry, a question for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, developer Beamdog and publisher Skybound Games are bringing some classic PC RPGs to the Switch and PS4 and Xbox One later this year. It includes Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Icewind Dale, Planescape Torment, and Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Editions and Siege of Dragonspear. Now, let me ask you about these. Are you a... Have you played any of these games? Do you yeah. like any of this style of game? Um, So I have played Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights and I've heard nothing but great things about Planescape Torment. Yeah. Um, it's a game I've always wanted to play because of uh, the effusive praise that you hear for it, but never had a system, like, I've never had a gaming PC. And not that you needed one now, but, like, I've right. never, like, bought it on Steam or anything. Uh, so I am definitely interested. These are very, like, D&D hardcore uh Right, feel RPGs. like feel like actually uh, playing a clicky around kind of role playing game. Uh huh. I'll be very curious to see how they like translate it to handheld mode for Switch. Yeah, sure. But uh, the only thing for me is that these games are such a time investment, and that's just not really how I play games anymore. Yeah. Um. But definitely interested. Glad to see that they are coming to Switch. Hopefully, they're really successful ports. Um, something I wanted to add to the news, um, but I failed in doing so, is that uh, Capcom has uploaded a ton of music to Spotify. So game soundtracks for um, the Mega Man series, for Devil May Cry, for Monster Hunter, for Phoenix Wright, uh, Street Fighter, and a bunch of others are just up there under the artist name Capcom Sound Team. Um, and it's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I wish more developers were doing that. 
like it's just it's just you can just do it you can just go and listen to and it's it's something like 30 40 50 soundtracks that they just just uh earlier this week and it's all just up there so look there was a time where this show anytime we mentioned capcom yeah it was a little bit with a frowny face yes but they've kind of turned themselves around yeah, I mean, I want to see them turn a little bit uh, more with turn with around. Switch. <laughs> Every now and then I fall apart. Um, but yes, agreed. Yes. I would love to see uh, more Capcom things brought to Switch. That being said, am I going to buy Resident Evil 4 when it's available on Switch? Oh, you bet I am. Oh, absolutely. And am I going to buy Resident Evil 2 when it's not on Switch? Yeah, probably that as well. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. And finally, we've got the results of last week's Splatfest, which of course was Pancakes versus Waffles. Waffles won out in all three categories, normal, normal, pro, and in most votes, by about 51% to for, to Pancakes' sad, pathetic 48% showing. I mean, I, I actually thought that that was pretty close. <laughs> Closer than I would have liked. Closer than is comfortable, frankly. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, pursuant to our conversation last week, Ego definitely makes frozen uh, pancakes. Yeah, and I think it's very telling that um, nobody's ever like, hey, Lego my Ego pancake. Yeah, I mean, start that ad campaign. You can try. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Mark, do you feel weird not knowing what we're going to talk about on Thursday? I feel confident Mm. that tomorrow, by the time that most of you are listening to this episode, you will feel safe knowing that a direct is on the way. And if not, maybe start emailing us ideas for what to talk about on Thursday. Nintendo Cartridge Society (laughs) at at gmail.com. but also, you should just rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, share it with people on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Card Society. You can check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers threatening to make up a Nintendo Direct. (laughs) Apologizing for that and saying thank you for listening. Campfire.